welcome to that 80s show and two huge pressures, Dory, I feel, right? Firstly, first show of the year, we got to go, what song are we starting the year with, right? It's big, it's big. It sets the tone for the 80s show for the year and what a awesome song you chose. Because the I second did. pressure is sometimes <laughs> I forget to go, I forget to talk. I'll go, oh, this is Karen playing music. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> for me. How are you doing, Dory? I'm good, Paolo. I'm good. Happy 2023. Oh my God, I can't believe I'm saying those words. <laughs> no, no, no. As, as the sage prophet Larry David said, there will be no happy new year after January the 7th. And it is very clearly past. Too bad. Too bad. Too bad. How dare you decry Larry David? <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Larry David. Paula, I chose that song for a couple of reasons. Well, first of all, we are young Turks, so it's fitting. Second of all, do you know that it was Rod Stewart's birthday earlier this week? Oh, really? I'm going to ask you to guess. I'm going to ask you to guess how old he is. How old could Rod Stewart be? 79. Considering, oh, you are so close, 78. But Mm. I tell you, when I saw that, I got a fright. I was like, what? How is Rod Stewart seventy eight? And I didn't get a fright in the way you'd think that I would have that you would have thought. Oh no, he's obviously thought he was older. No, in my mind, Rod Stewart is still in his fifties. I cannot get over the fact that he is seventy eight years old. Doesn't he do stuff like um, cut his hair upside down or some shit like that? I remember reading once. <laughs> It's not like he, really? he like hung upside down while they cut his hair. Like I remember, him, but of course, Rod Stewart is a is an old lush who loves to have a laugh. So I'm sure it's a lot of bullshit story. Did you ever have I ever shared that thing with you, where Rod Stewart was doing so like for soccer uh, uh, cups, they do a draw, right? So they put all the balls in little bowls, and then you pick two balls out, and each ball's got a number, and that represents a team. And they get celebrities on sometimes to do these draws. And Rod Stewart was on once, but he was trashed. <laughs> he was so drunk. <laughs> well, I mean, he's known to party up, you know, and like enjoy himself, you know, with substances, right? Isn't he known for that? And that's, well, that's what keeps him young, you know. That's what keeps him looking young. So happy birthday to Rod Stewart. Dory, 2023, yeah. do you know? that we are closer to the 2080s than the 1980s. Really? How's that? How no, is that? No. How is that That's possible? That's a lie, Dory. That's a lie. That's a lie and a great segue. <laughs> That's See, a factoid. <laughs> and it's a great segue into a new game that we'll be playing yeah. and introducing to that 80 show this year. Sometimes okay. for my sins and for my day job, I have to listen to radio. Oh, <gasps> oh I have to do it. I have to do it, right? It's my day job. Pays the bills, right? Because, listen, I know you guys think that we're sitting on this 80s empire. <laughs> you know, that we, we're just full of five rand notes, but we're not. We're not. We, we've got to have day jobs. <laughs> and um, and uh, I heard something. They had this game called Two Truths and a Lie. A classic game. Okay. You probably played it at a, at a party. And I thought, oh, so I've got a game called Two 80s Truths and a Lie. Then when you're playing later, and it is okay. what it is, I'm going to give you three factoids. Two are true, one is a lie, and you have to identify so, the lie. Two are facts, and one is a factoid. Exactly. <laughs> factoids are by their nature not true. <laughs> oh, and one thing we love more than facts are factoids <laughs> on the show. So Indeed. it may become three factoids and no facts. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we Oh, are. Dory. Yes. 
I discovered, to start off, I discovered something new I shared with you and Barrett, but you guys have not been able to experience it yet because you do not no. have an Apple subscription. No, favorite we're, we're poor, as we've just established. established. But yes, <clears throat> your favorite. Sorry, we've said before, if you want free subscriptions to Apple, just buy yourself a new Apple product every three months. <sighs> yes, again, going back to that money thing, that annoying free. money thing. Free Apple, free Apple. Just buy yourself a 40,000 Rand phone every three months. Yeah, free that's Apple. all. You know, it's, it's easy. It's very easy. Right. So I've discovered something on Apple Music, right, called Huey's 80s Radio, hosted by Huey Lewis. He right. of Huey Lewis in the news. I was actually going to ask you what's Huey Lewis's surname. <laughs> like, oh, fuck, of course it's Huey Well, no, no, no. That's so funny that you said that. Because, let me quickly interrupt you. It's so funny that you said that. You told me about this thing and I was like, oh, I don't have Apple, can't really listen. But then I was like, what if there's like highlights on Apple Podcasts? Let me let me just search for it and see. Maybe there's something. So I searched Huey Lewis on Apple Podcasts, well, on my podcast app. And no, the radio station does not exist on there. But I did find a podcast called Huey Lewis and the FAQs. Which is hosted by, no, listen to this. It's unbelievable. It is hosted by a 23-year-old girl who is, when I say obsessed, Paolo, this girl puts us in the shade. She is obsessed with Huey Lewis at 23 years old. Okay. Right. Let's just work it back. 23 yeah. years old, born in the 2000s at that stage. I still think Huey Lewis is virile. Could be a way of reaching out to a long-lost father. Or she was raised right when she was a kid. Her parents played her old Huey Lewis stuff. I prefer my scandalous <laughs> version. <laughs> Your scandalous version is something. I've only listened to a little bit of the first episode. It's not It's not an amazingly put like You know, it sounds like she's doing it in her kitchen. Anyway, the point is I love her passion. And one of the first things, so this is episode one. So she starts with the basic facts about who is Huey Lewis. And guess what? His real surname is Craig. Huey, Huey Craig. Craig. C-R-E-G-G is his real name. Now it's ruined for me. What a shit surname. <laughs> <laughs> so Lewis is a stage name. I, I mean, I'd imagine, but... I mean, listen, people's names are like, and you'll be surprised how many famous people like don't yeah. go by there, you know, because you go, oh, geez, you've got a really cool name. No, I used mm. to work with somebody at a radio station whose job it was to come up with people's radio names. That, that was part of his job. <laughs> okay. When new people came in and they sent demo tapes, his job was to help them come up with a radio name. Like that was his job. Mm. Um, so you'll be surprised how many people go by stage names. Fine. No problem. I mean, my name is obviously just the perfect name, so it's obviously made up. Um, but yes. Huey, Huey Craig. Fuck. Huey Craig is his real name. And the other thing I learned on what I've listened to so far is that he was very, very good at maths at school. He got a perfect score on his maths SAT at school. Well done, Huey Craig. Well yes. done. <laughs> Dory, I've got to be honest with you. That's <laughs> way better than my fucking facts for two A's to something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we can play now. <laughs> but do tell me about his radio station. 
Okay. That I have not so heard. he's got this radio station that he's put together on Apple and it's it's packaged, it's pre-recorded, pre-packaged, but he hosts like a radio show. But listen to the themes, Dory. He's obviously stolen this from us, right? So in mm-hmm. season one, there is about 10 shows. Oh, there's just lots of shows, right? Um, themes are Huey Lewis highlights 80 songs that feature the saxophone. <laughs> Huey, <laughs> right? Huey spins a playlist full of 80s dance classics. Huey spotlights artists who never won a Grammy. Huey highlights the biggest duets, episode called It Takes Two. Let's go to the movies. Huey Lewis plays the biggest soundtrack singles of the 80s. Stuck With You, Huey plays the ultimate wedding songs. I Can't Drive, the playlist of driving songs, Dory. Alternate songs you forgot. One Hit Wonders. Okay, so. What? What? (laughs) Huey Craig. Our lawyers are coming for you, Huey Craig. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the lawyers at Cliff Central are going to take on the lawyers of Apple and uh, we're going to take you down. <laughs> no, but it is the best. If you can, if you can, you got to do, oh, there's Madonna Day. And then there's a lot of interviews, right? So he, he basically has a top 10 and he'll intro mm. the songs in between. Every playlist somehow works in a Huey Lewis and the new song. <laughs> okay. Funny that. <laughs> and he makes Makes the same crack every time. Oh, a song that I know all the words to, a song that I've been thinking about for years. One of my favorites. It always makes a cheesy crack. Um, and then he uh, also has got a lot of interviews. But it is my favorite, favorite new radio station on Apple. If you have Apple, give you a chance. It does say something here because I'm on a different device. It says, try it for free. So you can have Ooh. one month free, then $11 a month. So make sure you cancel that shit. <laughs> that's a lot of money. Yeah, but you get one. Oh God, that is a lot. Sorry, one month free and binge it, binge it because there are maybe about thirty episodes. I just keep it playing in the background. But is it, it just, not ongoing? Is uh, it it's over. Uh, no, it's so uh, yeah. So it's season one and two of which they've got episodes. I think it's all pre-recorded and it doesn't sound recent. It's okay. Like kind of, so it's hmm. it's all pre-recorded and you know the magic of apple they got music rights so they can talk and have pre-recorded music and do all that stuff um so that do yourself a favor it's called huey's 80s radio we'll put a link on that 80 show facebook page because obviously people might never have heard of apple um so we just want to help them. <laughs> this, this little this little venture a little venture i do want to talk about so our, our very good friend uh, Neil Johnson posted this up in December, and we haven't mm-hmm. had a show since then. There's mm-hmm. something, Dory. Now, listen, we all got caught up in uh, Bitcoin. Oh, God, we all got <laughs> – my God, did we get caught up in Bitcoin. Okay. Right. Um, we got caught up in – and it forced me to sell my Garbage Pail Kids. I was like, okay, I'm going to sell all my Garbage Pail Kids to fund <sighs> Bitcoins, and now I don't have Bitcoins, nor do I have Garbage Pail Kids. That sucks. So I'm on to the next Ponzi scheme. <laughs> of course, Yes. It's called Songvest, okay? Now, I mean, you may think Songvest, that's awesome. I'd love to wear one, okay? Keeps me cool. <laughs> wear it under shirt. No. Songvest allows you to buy a portion of the rights of various songs. Purchase fractional shares of music royalties from your favorite hit songs and artists. So you buy a portion of the royalties, Okay, but what does that mean? Like, what, what can you do with it? Well, you get paid out. You earn your royalties quarterly. So you buy okay. the royalties of a song. So if, in case you don't know. So you don't have rights to the song. You're just going to get money. 
You get you have okay. a portion of the rights and you get a portion of the royalties. Now there's a whole bunch of there's there's a publisher rights, there's artist rights, there's, there's a whole bunch of shit. I don't I haven't quite really gone into the detail of that because why would I? Mm. <laughs> Yes. But okay, but th- there's a couple of catches, right? So the first thing is okay. So anyway, you buy a portion of the royalty, and then quarterly you will get paid. So if that song got played, it's what happens when a song gets played. You have to pay the artist. You have to pay the publisher, or the artist, and the artist down the future and get some money, right? Now, if you Taylor Swift, you get a lot of money, <laughs> okay? but not everyone gets all the money. But some people have like done songs from the 50s and every time it gets paid, they get a check, right? Now, the controversy, obviously, streaming platforms like Spotify, we all know the stories, they don't pay artists what they're worth and blah, 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 we know that whole thing. So now if you think about it, if you own a portion of a portion of a portion of a portion of a portion, (laughs) okay, you're not getting that much money. So that's kind of like the first thing. The second thing it says, your favorite hit songs and artists, Okay, right. let me quickly Google Wham. Hmm. No, no Wham. There's no Wham. Okay, maybe no Wham. Let me Google George Michael. Is that because Mi- all the songs are owned by the George Michael estate? Dory, I have yep. gone through this thing over and over again. Not one eighty song. <gasps> not one. Not one eighty song. Well, clearly it's not for us. No, clearly not. Clearly not, because we could crook the system. We could crook the system. <laughs> we could buy the royalties in a particular 80s song and only ever play that song, therefore getting back our own investment. It's insider trading, Dory. Hmm. Have I just blown Songvest wide open? You Charlie Sheen, you. I fucking Wall Street. I'm Richard Greco yeah. <laughs> I'm Richard. I'm going to say Richard Gecko. I'm getting confused. Richard Gecko, yeah. Is it Richard Gecko? <laughs> it's Uncle Douglas. Gecko. Gordon Gecko. Gordon Gecko. Gordon Gecko. Gordon Gecko. <laughs> I'm Gordon Gecko. So that's it. So if I find one eighty song here, you better know that you are hearing that eighty song twice. We normally play two songs a show. You're getting that song twice a week. We'll pay the royalties and get them back to us. Hmm. Hmm. That is some Wall Street shit, Dory. <laughs> well, it's, it's some shit, that's for sure. Um, yes, moving on. <laughs> and then we move on to say, yes. stay in the same ballpark about this dickhead couple who couple raise 50,000 pounds to buy the rights to last Christmas so they never have to hear it again. I got sent the story so many times. Did you hear about this? No. I got sent this so many times, right? They intend to have the master tape shipped to a nuclear waste site where it'll rest for at least 2 million years. That's these people. Okay. So it's Hannah Mazzetti said her and her husband, they hate last Christmas. They hate it, right? Oh, boo-hoo. Yes. Yeah, shame. They used to work in a cafe and obviously over Christmas, the boss just used to have a a Christmas CD on and just played and played and played and played and they hate it. They came to hate Mm -hmm. the song. So now they're saying, I mean, they're really over-exaggerating, say they play, play like for a hundred, the hundredth and eleventh time a day. I mean, no, it's impossible. Just do the math. It's yeah. not happening. Stop lying. Hannah Mazzetti. So her and her husband, Thomas, 
They want to buy the song. They want to buy the rights to Last Christmas so that they own it. They'll strip it off everywhere and they will destroy the masters. They've raised, claim to have raised because they've done a GoFundMe and everyone knows GoFundMe, no one pays the money. <laughs> okay. They say they've raised 51,000 pounds so far. Okay. And now they want to buy Last Christmas. Do you know how much money they'd have to pay to get Last Christmas? How much? 15 to 20 million pounds estimate if it was even up for sale. Okay, so you need <sighs> call it 20 million pounds if you want to buy. They've got 51,000 pounds. They've raised 51,000 pounds. Okay. I think this proves something, Paolo. People this are shows, idiots. No, this shows that there are way more fans of Last Christmas than haters. That's true. That is very mm. true, Dory. Now, mm. what I want to know which they don't say, is, of course, they've missed their target. They're never going to get it. Who's ever going to sell that song? It also and, leads me Andrew to going. Andrew Ridgely will stop this. He will stop it happening. He'll destroy, he will destroy Hannah Mazzetti. He's eyeing mm -hmm. out a hit on Hannah Mazzetti now. Okay. Leads me to a question. You get all these, like, super rich, like, uh, venture capitalists or Arabian, like Middle Eastern princes and things like that, who are buying soccer clubs. I was like, guys, buy Last Christmas for me and give it to me. You know what I mean? I would hate to think what you would do with Last Christmas. Sorry, I would get those masters and I would master, it ends with master <laughs> tapes. You do the math. Dude. But, but really, want, but, what could so, we do? What could we do? I mean, we could just, we could put it in. Do you know what I'd do? Do you not? Know so if somebody gave it to me and said, right, this is yours, I'd say, you know what? Everyone plays this song for free, for free mm -hmm. forever. It's my gift to the world. I don't even want the royalties because like I assume a Saudi prince has now given it to me. I don't even want the money. Let everyone have this. Preserve it. Preserve it. Put it in that ice vault. Remember we spoke a few months ago about that ice vault <laughs> where they're preserving all the music? Put it yeah, there. Yeah. yeah, put it there. So Hannah Mazzetti, what are you doing with the 50,000 pounds though, if you ever get it? I mean, theoretically, you're probably going to get 500 of it. Yeah, but if what that. With that money, Hannah Mazzetti. Uh, uh, what sad people. I, we don't need to talk about them anymore. They're just sad. So anyway, that's a lot of music rights chats, Dory. And I think we're, you know, what mm -hmm. what... What's a responsible music commentary show we are? Dory, one of the top thousand music commentary shows in the world, according to the latest podcast download. So this is why. This is why. You know, where else are you going to hear about crashing <laughs> the music rights stock exchange? <laughs> oh, God, Songvest, what a scam that is. They, they do auctions. They do auctions. No. Yeah, so they put up auctions. There's Kelly Clarkson in there. I see Gwen Stefani. Um, so I wonder if people have made money, actually. It would be interesting to know if people have made money with it. I'll tell you, like all good pyramid schemes, there's someone at the top making money. Yes. <laughs> yes. Everybody is not making money. Um, but listen, listen, we'll keep an eye on it. If the first 80 song that gets in there, we're buying all the rights, playing it, getting our money back. It's a genius system. I cannot find a hole in it. I cannot find a flaw. Mm. Cannot find a flaw. <laughs> all right, well. Dory, did you, before we get into movies, you got movies, I just want to remind you of something quickly. Does okay. this, do, do you remember this? You spoke about this TV show a little while ago. 
There's a voice that keeps on Remember that? Dude. You know, there are certain... Okay, all the... All of the 80s is nostalgic for me, mostly in a positive way. There is some negative stuff like brass. But, I mean, there are certain things that are beyond nostalgic where they actually create a pain in my heart. Oh, and wow. that song is one of those things. It really, really is. Yeah, it like makes me beyond nostalgic, like melancholically nostalgic. Yes. That for th- theme yes. song. That theme for song. that time. Yeah. In case you don't remember that theme song, it is the theme song of a fantastic, ridiculously premised TV show called The Littlest. Was it Little Hobo or Littlest? The, the Little the littlest Hobo. Littlest Hobo. Littlest Hobo. It was a little winky, a little dog, a German well, shepherd. Well, not a little, I mean, not such a little dog, a German shepherd, quite a big dog. A big dog. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he traveled. He was just a traveling dog. He didn't have a home. And he just went mm. from town to town. And what made me think of it is there's a, a podcast I listen to. Got he, he, He's one of the co-hosts on my favorite podcast called The Football Ramble, Jim Campbell. And he says, mm. I, like you, Dory, I just caught myself being wistfully jealous of the world the littlest hobo was set in. You're struggling. A dog pops into town, solves all your problems, and fucks off again. A much better world. <laughs> it's true. That is the what truest thing I've heard today. Hey. If all What's his our name? Jim Campbell. He's my new Jim hero. Oh, he's fantastic. He's fantastic. I mean, what I, if... I'm going to find him and I'm going to follow him and I'm going to tell him I love him. <laughs> That's Jim Campbell TFR. That's who it is. At Jim Campbell TFR. Mm. And he's so right because, mm. I mean, like, oh God, driving around, potholes. Fuck, it's just so many potholes in my neighborhood. Oh, look, there's a dog. Oh, look, I don't have potholes anymore. Was he magic? Well. How did he solve people's problems? Because people would find him and then he would bring people together and then they would then. He generally brought people together and solved conflicts and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And everywhere he went, people gave him a name. Right? Yeah, he didn't have a name, obviously. He didn't have a name. And I mean, if that show was made today, we wouldn't be able to call him Hobo because that's now on PC. So he'd have Uh, to be the the littlest problem solving dog. I don't have the same ring to it. <laughs> I like, I like in Afrikaans, what was it called? Because it wasn't in South Africa. We've spoken about it before. You would have lived here. Or you would have remembered. Mm-hmm. We had certain shows dubbed into Afrikaans. Mm-hmm. I, they definitely Miss dubbed start, it. Miss start in Miami. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, that's just crime in Miami. Crime like, in Miami. <laughs> right. And is I there mean, no Afrikaans word for vice? Maybe there's just no Afrikaans word for it. <laughs> no, probably not. Um, probably didn't translate well. And like the littlest hobo, like what do you call it? Declaim Boomerlard. Is that a, is that a hobo? I hope it is. I hope I don't say anything offensive. I have no idea. I just, you know, I just go with declaim Winky. Declaim Winky. Declaim Winky. Declaim Winky. But it's, he's but not the like, smallest dog. He's a German Shepherd. They're big dogs. Oh, so then why they call him the that littlest hobo? Because he's the littlest hobo, because most hobos were people. Oh, I've seen hobos as dogs. Yeah, that's true. So I suppose, again, not true. Not true. They lied to us. They lied to us. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Dory, for a show that I'm building up towards my new game, we sure are fucking making my <laughs> facts look like shit. <laughs> anyway, so that is the show, Hoinky Vat Bluff, um, that we are very wistful for. <laughs> 
Uh, Dory, did you watch a lot of 80s movies during the holidays? I did not. I'll be honest. I did not. I wanted I to. I had plans to, but I did not. I watched. I watched. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we started watching. I fell asleep. My daughter watched um, The Home Alones, one and two. Okay. And The Home Alone 2 was, was more 90s. Terrible. Was it two years later? Same thing. No, not bad. Terrible. Home Alone 1. No, Home Alone 1. Mm-hmm. Good. Mm-hmm. Um, I also watched uh, Three Men and a Baby. Again. Again. I watched mm-hmm. Three Men and a Baby and Three you Men and a Baby. You and that Steve lo- Gutenberg obsession. It's, it's a problem, eh? <laughs> it, it is a problem. Um, the, the intro of Three Men and a Baby, okay? It's like 10 minutes long because it's kind of a montage of their lives because now it's introducing each one of them and you get to learn their personalities. And Steve Gutenberg was an artist. Right. Um, so I he's like drawing, yes. Yes, drawing the scene and mm. accompanied by Gloria Estefan's Bad Boys. Bad, mm. bad. Uh, that's great song. song. Fantastic mm-hmm. start. Fantastic start to the movie. Um, but that's, that's one. Of, so I watched those, uh, and I also found a teams. I found a teams on, uh, YouTube, which was, which oh, was really, yeah. Hmm. yeah. What, four things. episodes. Uh, it, there was, I watched the one, I watched about four or five. I watched the boy George one. I watched the, the one with boy George. I found, I, oh, I need to, uh, I want to watch that one. Okay. Sort that one out. So that was pretty good. And just by the way, uh, Afrikaans for Hobo is Boomalad. So thank you, okay. Mr. Yeah. Thank you, Mr. Clarson. I thank, definitely thank you it. for the part of your brain that just kept that in from school. Yeah. <laughs> movie not, time, not, Dory. Uh, yes, movie time, Paolo. I have such a good movie, which I don't think I've done before. It's not on the list, but that doesn't mean I haven't done it before. And I don't know if you know this movie. There was a recent reference to it on my Facebook page, and I thought, hmm. And then you actually liked the reference to it, and then I was like, do you know it or are you just being polite? Because I can't imagine that this would be a movie that you would have seen. But possibly. And the reason I say I don't imagine it's a movie you would have seen is because it has been described by the BBC as one of Britain's biggest cult films. One of Britain's biggest cult films. Okay. Yes. It is also, I'm going to tell you the accolades that it has received before I tell you what it is. In 2000, readers of Total Film voted it the third greatest comedy film of all time. In 2011, Time Out London named it the seventh greatest comedy film of all time. In 1999, the British Film Institute voted it the 29th greatest British film of all time. A 2009 poll by The Guardian by film critics and filmmakers about the best British films of the last 25 years voted it in second place. And in 2017, it was ranked the 15th best British film British film ever in a poll by f- of 150 actors, directors, writers, producers, and critics for Time Out magazine. Okay. Okay. That's a, that's, that's a lot of good polling there were they whatsapp polls by the way people are sending me those people sending whatsapp polls i don't know i mean 2017 probably not right i mean these were these were quite a few years ago okay this movie i i've spoken before about going to that little cult cinema in hillbrow in my student days in the early 90s 
And mm-hmm. this, this is where, that is where I first saw this film. I had heard of it, but never seen it. And my more cultured friends who I had met at university dragged me along to watch it. And I loved it. I have since okay. watched it maybe four or five times. I rewatched it again last night and still love it. I can safely say, even though parts of it are definitely not PC anymore, it is still a great film. It is, it is to the test of time in many ways, except for, you know, it would offend some people these days. But, well, you know, there's the 80s for you. This, this film has links to two Beatles. It was produced okay. by George Harrison. And Ringo Starr is credited as a special production consultant under his real name, which is Richard Starkey. In fact, when the credits start rolling, his name is almost right, I think, either right at the top or almost near the top of the credits. And that is Ringo Starr. All right. Paula, I'm talking about a little film called With Nail and I. Never heard of it. So I recently did a Facebook post about my recent holiday and one of my friends in the comments went, did you go on holiday by mistake? Which is one of the famous lines from this movie. And then I replied with a gif from the movie, which you then liked, which made me think, "Hmm, are you just liking the gif because it's a good gif or are you getting the context of this? Because only true with Nail and our fans know the quotes. And I didn't put you in that bucket, I'll be honest. Not because you're well, uncultured, but because you're uncultured. No, well, quite right. I mean, I'm not in that bucket. I'm just a fan. I'm just a fan of clever gift work. Relevant, yes. good gifts. Yes. So I'm, I'm more a gift fan than a um, this, known yeah. 80s British movies fan. <laughs> this is a classic, classic, classic British film. It's actually based on an unpublished novel that the writer and director of the film wrote. It's it's based on his real life, um, not 100%, but, you know, inspired by his real life, set in 1969. And again, we're talking about the end of a really important decade where people are in a little bit of a crisis. Remember we were speaking about um, the mods when I, when I did um, – what was the name of that movie? <laughs> uh, the one with Toya uh, and Sting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, the one I'm talking about. Um, yes. And that was also like, you know, like the change of era when, as they went into from the late 70s into the 80s. And, we, and I mean, honestly, you know, for me, the 80s will always be the best. But I do acknowledge that the 60s were a very important decade in terms of culture. I mean, from the 50s to the 60s is worlds apart. Life changed dramatically in that time. It is really, really funny, but also quite deep and sometimes quite sad as well. It's it's very British. It's probably the most British thing you'll ever watch. And it's so interesting that like watching it now versus when I watched it in my early 20s, I, I definitely experience it quite differently. I'm not going to go too much into detail about the, I mean, the story is quite basic. It's these two very, very struggling actors who are living in London. They're really struggling for work. They're complete alcoholics, like most people in the UK. And um, they decide that they need to get out of London and have a little bit of a, ho- bit of a holiday. And the one, the one has got an uncle who has a cottage in the countryside and they managed to convince him to let them go and stay in his cottage. And let's just say shenanigans ensue because – they are completely unprepared. They get there. It's 
pouring with rain. There's no wood to light the. It, it, it's clearly freezing cold. There's no wood to like make the the fire in the cottage. They are freezing. They have no food. Everybody in the countryside is totally unfriendly and unwilling to help them. So that's like the funny part of the story. But then there's also an under an underlying story, message, feeling, whatever you want to put it about, about, you know, like the struggle that people go through, I guess you could call it. And also, like I said, was based on this guy's life. And in fact, I read that in the original book, um, the one character actually dies by suicide in the book, but he changed that for the movie because it was like, I think it would have been just a little bit too hectic because essentially mm-hmm. this is still called a, a, a black comedy. It is a black comedy. It is a dark comedy. And it's mostly funny. It's mostly quite light and entertaining. It stars Richard E. Grant as with Nell. I love Richard E. Grant. I met him when he was here once and it was a real treat. And he's amazing. And it's it's so cool because I was reading up about it. He was not the first choice for the role. Um, the, the director actually wanted Daniel Day-Lewis or Bill Nye or Kenneth Branagh ahead of him. But if you've watched this movie, you will, you will see that nobody but Richard E. Grant could play this role. He is so perfect for it. So I'm really glad that it turned out the way it is. It also stars Richard Griffiths as, as Uncle Monty, the, the guy who owns the cottage. Now, you'll know Richard Griffiths as Uncle Vernon from the Harry Potter films. So you'll recognize him if you've watched the Harry Potter films. My favorite character is hardly in the movie at all, but he is hilarious. He is their drug dealer. His name is Danny. And he is just insane. So I've actually sent you a link to a clip where Danny is speaking and he's got this amazing conspiracy theory, which it kind of gives you an idea of the kind of craziness that this film is, if you want to click on that. Now, Danny looks like any stereotypical drug dealer. You wouldn't call yeah. him, he doesn't look to me like a drug dealer. He just looks like the guy who can get you drugs. So he's not the nefarious, criminally connected drug dealer. He's just your guy who can get you stuff and there's not the nastiness about it. You know what I mean? That's what Danny looks like to me. Oh, yeah. So, he's, the for me, the, the, the highlight of the film, though. The scenes that he is in are the best scenes. All right, here we go. I don't advise a haircut, man. All hairdressers are in the employment of the government. Hair are your aerials. They pick up signals from the cosmos and transmit them directly into the brain. This is the reason bald-headed men are uptight. What (laughs) absolute twaddle. (laughs) It's true, as a bald-headed man... (laughs) <laughs> I, uh, I am a you feel like makes, you're missing out on things <laughs> that makes a lot of sense that makes a lot of sense and danny does not disappoint we all know guys we all know danny's we all have danny's i spoke to a danny just this past monday we all know a danny <laughs> he's relatable he is relatable anyway it's just the entire movie is on youtube a very decent copy that's where i watched it last night it is i, re- I recommend it it's it's not everybody's taste. I, I, some of the time you struggle to actually hear what they're saying because it's very British with thick British accents. But and, um, and also, and also, like we've spoken before about the, something with the sound editing, the sound dubbing, mm. something. They, they, they were not <laughs> sounds in eighties movies; just were shit. Um, so it also has that added barrier. It does, but 
Really, really worth watching. Paula, I'd love you to watch it. In fact, there, so like I said, hmm? It's sorry, is there like a, a compilation of Danny's best bits? Because I think I could really I, get into I'm Danny. sure there is, actually. I think on YouTube there is, I'm sure, because he is the most that. popular. You'll yeah. find that. If you like that, then maybe give the movie a try. There is also, like I say, the, the movie is very much about being drunk and drinking a lot. It's very like alcohol infused. Um, and there's actually a drinking game that is associated with the movie where you're supposed to try and keep up drink for drink with each alcoholic substance that Withnail consumes over the course of the film. Now in the film, he's doing it over the course of a few days. (laughs) You're supposed to do it over the course of less than two hours. I think you'll die if you do it. I'm just warning you because let me tell you what he drinks. I've got the list. He drinks roughly nine and a half glasses of red wine, one half imperial pint, which is 280 mils of cider, one shot of lighter fluid, which is another part of the story. They say here vinegar or or overproof rum are common substitutes for that. You don't have to drink lighter fluid. Two and a half measures of gin, six glasses of sherry, 13 drams of scotch whiskey, and half a pint of ale. Now, I think if you drank that in less than two hours, you'd die. But that's Probably. I don't know. Probably. I'm trying to think back to my student days and did we ever? And no, I think that even that was a little bit rough for us. Uh, Light fluid or zero proof rum. Stroh rum, that's a mess. <laughs> you, you, will def, you will definitely be believing in conspiracy theories after that. Like once you, like you will never be sober again after that. But once you start like functioning. Um, and do people yeah. play this game? Like legit, they're passing out. You're I passing mean, out. Of who the- knows? Who knows if people actually play it? There's one last thing I want to tell you about the movie. There's a there's a very minor character who's very memorable though. His name in the movie is Presuming Ed, and he is played by a guy, a Ghanaian actor named Eddie Tago. And the reason I want to mention him is because he. After the movie, he did a bit of acting, not a huge amount. He mostly acted in the, in the 1970s, a little bit in the 80s. And then he actually became a very successful reflexologist, and he was recruited to serve as the team reflexologist for Newcastle United. See, that's the sort of thing gets that, that gets me. I, I, thank you for that. I knew that, you'd like that. I knew you'd like that. <laughs> Oh, I see factoids. Once again, a factoid mm. way fucking better than any of mine for my game coming up soon. I'm full of them today. <laughs> oh, boy. With Nail and I, it took me a while to figure out that With Nail was the character's name. I was like, what the f- With Nail, With Nail, what are you talking I know. about? And it's based, um, I mean, the, the person who it was based on, his name was With Nall, as in A L L. But obviously, Nail sounds much funnier. Yes, it does. Mm. Great movie. Beatles, funded by the Beatles, um, and we can all get on board with that. Dory, I have a movie that very holiday-ish, right? Mm. Holiday, escaping, thinking of tropical islands. A movie that here's a review of it. It's set on a. It's set at a low cost resort, right? So. The cost is ridiculous. The cost is stellar, stellar, stellar. Everyone involved in it. And you kind of go, why was this movie actually not memorable and so bad, really, with all the people involved? 
it's um, the main character. He's a fireman. He has to retire and he takes his pension and he buys a little bar type resort place on a Jamaican island. Well, it's not Jamaica. It's this fictional Caribbean island. And okay. he has a little resort, right? And it's the shenanigans of the people at this resort. And um, in it, there's some plots by a corrupt uh, politician and a land developer. Now they're going to destroy, basically destroy the island and build this like super complex resort for rich people only. And all the people who live on the island will be forced to work there. And it's about all the shenanigans between all the guests and the residents of the island of now how they um, overcome these bad mm. guys, right? So it's set on a tropical island. Beautiful. One of the the activities at the resort, it's such an 80s activity, they do not do it anymore, is uh, windsurfing. Why yes. do people not windsurf anymore? It like seemed to only I mean, happen in the 80s. And then yeah. now no one does it. I haven't seen anyone doing it for decades. You're correct. No, I mean, not that did, I'm did ever they... in that kind of a place, but you know, no, but I mean, to see it on go... screen, yeah, oh, like always doing, oh, we're boogie boarding, oh, we're canoeing, like no one's windsurfing, right? Paddle, people are doing paddle, mm. stand up mm. paddle. They don't know, they're not related, but they've got the same name, but no windsurfing. People just aren't windsurfing anymore. I did they get banned? I mean, was windsurfing solely funded by Peter Stuyvesant ads? Because that's I was about lost. to say, right. <laughs> That's where I was used to see it most was in Peter Stuyvesant ads. I say, guys, they stopped making the ads. We got did we maybe, yeah, but did we maybe miss like a tragic windsurfing incident that maybe got people to just go, no, that's not for me. Maybe uh, we missed something. Right. Okay. Anyway, they windsurf <laughs> a lot on this island. The the review that I'm going to read you is going to be mm. super surprising when I then list the cost. Okay. So it says, this movie has the charm of a not great picnic, an outing that has genial moments, but finally it goes on too long and simply peters out when the mosquitoes arrive. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Here's the cast. It's written and directed by Harold Ramis. Okay. Huh. I mean, yes. Caddyshack, National Lampoon's Ghostbusters. It stars Eugene Levy and Rick Moranis. Okay. okay. Right? They play... Two guys called swingers, okay? I mean, they're not class. They don't swing together. They're just two young guys come to the island because they want to score weed and, and girls. Stars Peter what? O'Toole. Peter O'Toole, big name actor. Yes. Uh, love interest played by Twiggy. Remember her? The model. Yes, of course, of course. I mean, Twiggy was so huge in the 70s, and then by the 80s she turned 30, and no one's got, <laughs> no one's got any use for a 30-year-old model. Um, but she, she pops up in this. Yes. No, but you know what, Dory? It's so funny reading the reviews back on this, right? When I went back, they go, the veteran actress Twiggy looking much more beautiful in her older days. Just 30. <laughs> She's like 30 when they did this movie. <laughs> she wasn't even ridiculous. 30. She wasn't even 30 when they did this movie. She's like 28. Um, and the main actor was supposed to be Bill Murray. And when you watch it, you go, it, it's more Bill Murray then it is the main actor, Robin Williams, right? Okay. And that is a hell of a cost. Eddie Grant. Yeah, and I'm thinking, I still don't know what movie you're talking about. So Not Eddie Grant, J Jimmy Cliff. Jimmy Cliff, reggae singers. I'm getting my reggae singers mixed up. Jimmy okay. Cliff. The movie is okay. called Club Paradise. 
Cheese I ever? Don't, I don't think I've ever seen it. No, you have you ever heard of it? Maybe. I'd have to see the poster, then maybe it'll ring a bell. So Dory, what I've just dropped you now, the best part about this movie is that it gives you a chance to see Robin Williams in his, you know, Robin Williams is manic. He's a very hairy man. He's a firefighter who's now taken in the island life, which also includes little red speedos, Dory. And you get a chance to see Robin Williams, the very hairy Robin Williams in a little red speedo. I don't know if you're able to see the picture I've just added. You may want to hit refresh. I know, uh, I see next, it. I see it. Next gorgeous Twiggy is Robin Williams in a little red budgie smuggler. I mean, doing Baywatch before Baywatch was a thing. If there is ever a reason to watch this movie, it's just fast forward to this. This happens about halfway through the movie where we see Robin Williams in his little red speedo. And that is the reason to watch this movie. Um, I would not have, if you'd shown me that before, I still wouldn't have guessed the movie. No, no. It's it's like I say. It's so weird that so many, such like great comedians in it, and nobody ever talks about this movie. It was just like this kind of weird, forgotten about eighties movie. It wasn't one of those that like even released at the time of bigger stuff. It was just meh. And um, it 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 is like that. That review says it's like it's there. It's friendly. It's fine. It goes on too long, and then you kind of like forget about it. Um, there are like a couple, like any eighties movies, lots of shenanigans. Eugene Levy and their Rick Moranis character, their quest to get weed is quite funny, and then they end up getting the drug lord's weed, and that ends up in the room, and that's like a whole subplot. There is one. There's a lot of like eighties scenes that must have been funny in the eighties, right? And not just because they're culturally inappropriate, just because our yeah. sense of humor was different then. Yeah. There's one very funny scene that I, now I don't know if this is culturally inappropriate, but the kitchen staff at the resort, the one lady will not uh, one of the well not Jamaican called Jamaican in um, in quotation marks. She mm. doesn't allow anyone with long hair to work in the restaurant because in the kitchen because uh, she doesn't want the you know any hair falling in the food. So there's one Rastafarian guy comes and he's got long long dreadlocks like down to his waist. And she's like, no, he can't work here. Like, I know it's it's our culture, and but I don't want his hair in here. So Robin right. Williams says, okay, I'll solve the problem for you. And it is a truly laugh out loud moment when he walks the guy back in and he's got the world's tallest chef hat with all his dreadlocks under the chef hat. <laughs> Sounds funny. It is funny. It is funny. It's the one laugh out loud moment, but it's that sort of stuff. Even Robin Williams, he's so restrained because he's got to play the laid back Bill Murray type guy where he's more manic than that. And you see him a little bit restrained. And I think it probably would have been a better movie with Bill Murray um, and his kind of like chilled style because Robin Williams, you just don't believe it, you know, that he's yeah. chilled and laid back and, and that. So that's kind of why it doesn't so, work. But, so where uh, do we watch this movie if we, if we decide we want to? It is on a lot of the streaming platforms, kind of like in the discount bin, like $9 or 9 Rand. So it's very <laughs> okay. cheap. Um, you'll find on most streaming platforms. My recommendation is don't. Um, I just want okay. to tell you about it. It's a movie called Club Paradise. I'm so glad you did because, I mean, I've just looked at the movie poster and it vaguely maybe rings a bell. I might have seen it in a video shop in my youth, but you definitely, definitely haven't watched it. Definitely not. You definitely have seen this um, in the video shop. But anyway, the highlight of it is Robin Williams and his little speedo. So let's get into it. My new game. 
Mm-hmm. We haven't left much time for it, but we're going to play it quickly. A quick round. Mm. 280s truths and a lie. Okay. Right. So I'm going to give you three. I'm going to make three statements, give you three stories. Two are true about the 80s, one is a lie. So the first one is Drew Barrymore and Cameron Diaz wanted to remake a John Hughes movie. So let me rather tell you the movie they wanted to make remake planes, trains, and automobiles, right? That's okay. Statement number one. Bronson Pinchot, Balki Bartokomus, auditioned mm-hmm. to be the voice of Alf, but he got the part of Balki Bartokomus and Perfect Strangers at the same time and had to give it up. So not only did he audition, he got it. Okay. And then Iggy Pop. Iggy Pop almost joined ACDC in the 80s when the lead member or one of the lead members died. Those are two 80s truths. Two of those are true and one is a lie. Hmm. Which one do you think is a lie? I mean, the first one sounds like the most likely lie, honestly. The John Hughes one. Drew Barrymore and Cameron Diaz wanting to remake Planes, Trains and Automobiles, the uh, Steve Martin and John Candy movie. But then maybe the Iggy Pop one. I think the middle one is true. Okay. So which one do you think is a lie then? Or I'm what completely wrong and, 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 the, and the bulky one is the lie. Wow, this is hard. I have no idea. They could all be true or they could all be a lie. Ah, oh, yes. Hmm. Should I just do a lucky guess? Do a lucky guess. I'm going to do a lucky guess. I'm going to say that, okay, I'm changing my mind completely. The bulky one's a lie. Well done, Dory. First victory of the first new game, 280s Truths and a Lie. You win that round. Bronson Pinchot, that was no way involved with Alf. I just made that up. <laughs> okay. So the On other second two, thought, I thought that was more unlikely. But I can't believe that Drew Barrymore and Cameron Diaz wanted to do that, and then they didn't. It could have, it actually probably would have been not great. Yeah, there was a stage. Yeah, there was a stage where everything those two touched turned to gold, and then like they stopped doing stuff. Mm. So I'm super glad they didn't do that. And then, yes, Iggy Pop almost joined ACDC in the 80s. Um, they asked him their approach, and they did talk about it, but he just came to a conclusion and said, you know what, the type of stuff ACDC do is just mm. not me. <laughs> so no, it's not the same style at all, so that would have been weird. Not at all. So that is it. Mm. And Bronson Pinchot in no way involved in um, being Alf, but I just thought that was fun because you know why I thought of that? What does Bronson Pinchot's real voice sound like? That is a good question. Although I think I have seen an interview with him. He's got an American accent, right? He would, right? But you're honestly thinking of Alki or he's uh, the the character that he played in um, Beverly Hills Cop. I was like, what does his normal voice sound like? Yeah. We're going to have to YouTube that shit. mm, We could. So anyway, (laughs) this has been that Eddie show. Uh, Lots of stuff today, talking about songs rights. Dorana, are we going to invest in a song? We're talking about people trying to raise money to take Wham out of the the world's ecosystem of music uh, with Nail and I, Club Paradise, so many things, all of the things that you heard today, you can find on that 80 show essay Facebook page, first show of the year. Dory, we're going to play out with Jennifer Rush. And you said you had something to say. Well, I mean, like I was saying earlier, there's certain songs that like, you know, strike me in the heart. And I, it was so bizarre when I thought of this song, because it just kind of came to me. And I was like, oh my goodness, I had such a vivid nostalgic memory of dancing around my bedroom when it was playing on the radio. And then I went and watched the music video. 
And I was like, I had an outfit almost identical to what she's wearing in the music video. And I was like, did I get that? Because I saw the music video on Pop Shop and was uh, slightly obsessed with her. Or was it a coincidence? It's just so funny. And her hair was so 80s in the video. And then I remembered meeting her not so long ago. And she was the kookiest person I've met. And I, I just have warm feelings about Jennifer Rush. So I'm glad we're playing the song. Ironically, a song called Ring of Ice brings up warm, yes. warm feelings. And also, fun fact, one of the first ever songs we played on our earlier shows. I don't know if you remember oh, that. Really? I don't remember it was that. One of the first, oh. It was one of like the first ever songs that we ever played back on that 80s show back many, many years ago. Thanks for joining me, Dory. Goodbye. Bye.